At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. It's challenging because you want to get back to life. You want to kind of get to the next chapter, which is hard enough in and of itself. But then to have to remain ready to re-engage in the old chapter keeps you in a state of um, of adrenaline flowing. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to Voices of Celebration. Today, we have a former client that I am going to refer to as Diego, uh, to keep him anonymous. I'm really excited that you've uh, chosen to join us and that you're here with us today. Welcome, Diego. Thank you very much for having me. So the, the main purpose of our Voices of Celebration, as I mentioned, is, is really to share your journey and especially your personal growth uh, with those listening who are often in the very early stages and have that kind of long dark, dark tunnel ahead of them. So why don't we jump in with you just sharing a little context to get us started? Sure. Uh, I, first of all, I want to say thank you for doing this and thank you for doing what you do. And um, I attribute a lot of my um, success and progression in my life to my interactions with uh, Lisa and yourself and your organization. So um, I wanted just to start it, start with that. Um, I reached out in September of 2016 with my first call to Journey Beyond Divorce because I was going through the abyss of a terrible beginning cycle of a divorce. So um, I had been living with my spouse, with my wife. We had a uh, two and a, almost two and a half year old daughter and I was basically broadsided with what I thought was my best friend setting me up for a divorce. And not only was I set up with a divorce, I had renewed my lease with my ex-spouse uh, two weeks before she told me she was um, she wanted the divorce. She was filing. 
So I had signed a new lease thinking that everything was fine. And, and we did have problems beforehand, but I had thought that things were improving. So I thought we were just dealing with marital problems and we were going to deal with things and whether it was between us or with counseling, I thought we were on the improvement cycle. Right. And meanwhile, I didn't realize that she was, she was out. And so um, following that, I, she filed for divorce and then utilized a restraining order in order to get me out of the house. And I, I want to clarify for audience uh, purposes, uh, there was no physical contact. I had never touched my wife, um, never laid a hand on her shoulder to say, hey, wait, never grabbed her by the wrist. There was nothing. And yet the restraining order stuck. So I was in this place of mental confusion yeah. and pain, um, dealing with the fact of that I thought I was really a good person and spiraling out of control. I lost, um, I lost my home the apartment that we lived in. I was, uh, I had to vacate the apartment that I lived in. Um, I didn't get to see my daughter for three weeks after the restraining order. Uh, I then gradually got re-auditioned to be a father. So uh, based on that, I, uh, on the restraining order hearing, I was able to see my daughter four hours a week, um, every other, you know, a couple of times a week. And then that increased to six hours uh, each day, four times a week. And then I had to go through family services at the courthouse to finally have my first overnight with my daughter. And then that gradually built up into more and more time. So I just want to slow you down here. And yeah. I just want to acknowledge, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, what, I mean, to be sideswiped with the divorce and then yeah. the false allegation and then going from living with your child on a regular basis to such limited time based on the false allegation, uh, anybody's head would be spinning. That must have been such a difficult time for you. Yeah. So that was all happening when I made my first phone call. And prior to that first phone call, I had gone, I had started going jogging. I, I needed some way to get out of the house uh, before, before I had gotten um, kicked out of the house. I was going jogging at the local park. I had bought a new pair of running sneakers. It was the only thing that could clear my head. And while I would run, I would listen to these great podcasts by Journey Beyond Divorce. So I was getting, I would say, I was getting advice in some sort of therapeutic way right at the onset from Journey Beyond Divorce. And there was this fantastic program. Um, it was done, I think, on June 1st of 2016. And it was called Your Divorce Recovery Plan. Mm -hmm. And it had seven different levels of energy. So seven different types of, I guess, of, of emotional energy. Yes. And it was the catabolic and anabolic levels. So you had level one and two. Level one was the victim. Level two was conflict, anger, and blame. Level three was taking responsibility. It was a transition to the anabolic. Um, then there was level four, which was concern for others compassion and serving wow. level five was reconciliation level six was creativity and vision and level seven was transcendence i'm just delighted that's amazing that's yeah. exactly our program <laughs> I, it was so powerful um that i listened to it multiple times i went home and uh annotated it for myself so i actually created a, like a cheat sheet spreadsheet for myself so i could understand it better 
and then I tried to track where I was on that scale. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was living between a level one and level two. Right. Um, and touching level three, because I was very accepting of my responsibility and my role. Um, but it was very, like, I was barely touching four. Right. And I would just slide back into, like, level two and level one. So I didn't have a lot of anger. Like, I wasn't dealing with it with anger. I was dealing with with sadness. Yeah. So it was really great to have this um, measuring stick, this yeah. ruler, to, to kind of understand where I was at. And once I realized that I was living at this problem state, this catabolic level, I was like, I really, I got to make a phone call. So I had been listening to your podcast while jogging. Your voices were in my head. I really felt that of all the podcasts I had listened to, I was like, these people sound like they can help. And so I reached out and I would say it was the equivalent of a suicide hotline. So I wasn't suicidal. I just, I, so that's not how I processed my emotions right. and, and dealt with it. I have had friends who have been suicidal and for those people definitely reach out to a suicidal hotline. But for me, the lifeline was your phone number. So uh, I remember calling the phone number and I remember speaking um, with Lisa the first time and I was in a parking lot of a store close by uh, my family's home because that's where I moved to after the divorce after I was I had to leave my home and I had an hour-long conversation in a car in a parking lot with Lisa who made me feel I think for the first time that I was heard so it wasn't legal advice there was nothing I could do you know, Lisa wasn't going to be able to do anything. We weren't going to court together or anything. But um, it was definitely a coach in the corner in that first conversation I was in. And so I would imagine after that very tumultuous beginning to have somebody hear you and somebody that you already trusted because of the podcast, um, how did that, how did you... How did you feel? How did you emerge from that first session? Um, I remember the general feeling that um, that I, I I wish I could have spoken to Lisa every day. At that point, I was in such a dark place at that time. Um, but it was it was a feeling that somebody understood it. Somebody was on the outside looking in. Uh, and somebody was prepared to hold my hand and guide me towards the proverbial light. Yeah. Um, and that was really powerful. So, and, and it's strange because you would think um, that you could reach out to your friends or your, to your family. And at, by that point, those options had already been exhausted. I mean, everybody, uh, I'm pretty straightforward. My family knew about it. My friends knew about it. Um, they, everybody knew the story, but nobody was there in the in the coach side of things to say, yeah, we've heard this before. Here's how we can handle it. Let's create a strategy. Um, and that's really what I got from Lisa at that time. Yeah, I, I think that um, 
the uh, non-judgmental, not having an agenda, not um, not trying to fix you, not trying to tell you what you should do, but being that sounding board and encouragement to find your unique way is probably one of the um, things that people comment on the most. Yeah, and I found, you know, I've, I've blocked out many, um, many particulars of this painful time. So I don't necessarily remember specifics on conversations and right. specifics on details. What I do remember is that um, I felt like I was able to accept both strategy, how to position myself, how to emotionally think of myself, mm. uh, but also also criticism, also also um, how to deal with um, somebody who would perhaps see interactions that I was having and say, why are you doing it that way? How is that serving you? Right, right. And, and I think that was really powerful. That's, that's excellent. And as you went through this process, uh, Diego, what would you say, um, what were some of the areas that you struggled with the most where you found the coaching to be very helpful? Um, I think there was, you know, the, I had the challenge in the beginning of dealing with, I, I, there were, I guess there are multifacets on this one. Um, in, in the very early stages, it was the restraining order mm -hmm. and how violated I felt by the restraining order. Uh, to this day, I feel violated by the restraining order. Yeah. However, um, Lisa was able to really walk me through a path to stay on the straight and narrow, not to fall back into um, victimhood, not to fall back into feeling anger about it, uh, making sure that once the restraining order was in place that I didn't do anything that would create further challenges. Okay. Um, then there was the additional problem of as we got to the end of the divorce process, so the divorce didn't get finalized for about a year because the courts don't work that fast and you're in family services trying to iron everything out. And quite honestly, it's great that the court allows people the opportunity to resolve their stuff before it gets in front of a judge. Yeah. Uh, I, from, from everybody I've heard, uh, lawyers and attorneys and friends and coaches, the last place you want um, this thing to go is in front of a judge who, depending yes. upon their own beliefs, will go one way or another. They don't know your child. They don't love right. your child. They don't, they, you know, they're just making a decision that's so disconnected from the things that as parents we're so deeply connected. So that's, right. that's so true. And so you were so, able to do that. You and your, um, your wife were able to iron out uh, the final agreement. Right. So literally within days of what would have been our trial, we resolved our, our marriage. Or so you went, marriage. you went right up to the All edge. the way to the wire. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's um, hard too. Yeah, that was hard. And so what I was left with at the end uh, was about 40% custody with my daughter, mm. which... Um, all things being equal, and and after the stories I've heard was was quite good. Like 
things that that would be seen by many people who have been disenfranchised by the divorce process as a, as a big win. win. But I didn't feel that way. I felt that I had been, um, I had, that I had 10% of my time taken away with my daughter. And perhaps more importantly, I felt that my daughter was denied the opportunity to get to know me by 10% for no reason whatsoever to completely arbitrary. And all that, you know, I went through my scientific literature and there's plenty of literature out there to show that the closer you get to equal time, the better it is for the child. Right. So I was on that. And Lisa really helped me, um, one, stay calm and be thankful for the things I had. Um, two, be the best father I could be, utilize the time that I had with my daughter um, effectively to build up that um, great relationship that I had with her and continue to have with her. And then I guess the strategy was live to fight another day. I don't mm. think it was quite said that way, but um, it was take what you've got now and continue working towards it. I build on it. That had really, to be such an emotionally, I can only imagine all the emotion uh, around that time and and that, that ability to stay calm, how helpful that must have been. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's challenging because you want to get back to life. You want to kind of, get to the next chapter, right. which is hard enough in and of itself. But then to have to remain ready to re-engage in the old chapter keeps you in a state of, um, uh, of adrenaline flowing. <laughs> it, ke- it keeps you in a state of, of kind of prepare. Yeah. And so Lisa did a great job at keeping me focused and helping me design a plan to then eventually re-engage. And so two years later, um, I went back to court and filed a motion to change the custody custody arrangement, the the parenting time. And I got my two extra days a month. And now we have 50-50 parenting time. And it was a, yeah. What was so challenging was that the co-parenting counselor that we had at the time wasn't able to make it work. The second co-parenting counselor wasn't able to make it work. And so it was forced to go to court. There was no other way to do it. And so Lisa really helped to guide me to stay calm, to stay true, um, and, and not be triggered by the toxicity of the whole, you know, the whole event. Which is a tall feat right there. Yeah. 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 Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. So 
So the whole journey like that, that, and I can hear how child centric you are, like that whole journey of from being um, surprised by the divorce through to getting the 40% and then the 50-50 custody. I'm hearing that throughout that um, the coaching helped you both um, emotionally stay calm and be effective in your strategies. What, um, so that's such a big piece, right? And that's the most emotionally charged for any of us Mm -hmm. is what's happening to our children. Um, what were, what would you say are some of the other, um, big pieces you remember, uh, going through the process? Uh, I remember that, um, it was never just about the divorce. Uh, I think Lisa did a good job at, um, combining all aspects of life. So, dealing with not just the emotional pain or any one aspect of the divorce itself, but uh, dealing with how to move forward. So uh, Lisa was very helpful in, in talking about forwarding ideas of what, what I might need to do with my life in terms of finances. How would I get myself back on my feet? Um, how could I leave the, the, the old chapter and build a new chapter? So we would sometimes talk about my business and where my business was going and what did I want to see in my business in the next six months or 12 months and create a map of that. So I have um, pages and pages of notes from my conversations with Lisa, um, sometimes just focused on my business, something that I could take and create something with so that I was not focused on the past, but focused on the future and building something that I wanted to create. Um, And the idea really is um, while we're, you know, divorce coaching, the idea is that everybody emerges with a robust toolbox that can help in every area of your life for the rest of your life. And, And that's always our goal. And I'm hearing that, that you were experiencing some of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's also interesting because um, in any given week, there's good news and there's challenging news. And like any good kind of talk therapy idea, uh, you're able to amplify the good news, build on that, and you're able to take the bad news and say, well, let's use a different word. Let's not call it uh, bad news. Let's call it challenging news. Mm -hmm. Um, And that way you're shifting your mindset. It, It gave me... Lisa gave me a lot of methods, a a lot of different ways to think about it. So while there might have been tools, things to actually do, like do this one thing with your business and try that for next week or the next month, something to do, an action step. There was also a philosophical uh, change. How do you change your mindset? How do you you perceive? uh, it's It's easier to say now than it was then. How do you how do you take your divorce and turn that into a positive? Mm. How can you flip the script and say, instead of saying the divorce is the worst thing in my life. I mean, at the time when I met Lisa, um, it was, it was, I mean, the, the, the note that I sent to my parents when I found out that it, we, we were getting divorced is my life is over. 
And so many people, I, so many people feel exactly that way. It, it, at that moment, right. it's the worst thing that's happening. And right. now you are, however many years post-divorce, just to wrap up that part of the conversation, what would you say? What, what, what would you say about the role and impact your oh, divorce right. played on your life? Well, here's, here's the strange part. And uh, it's hard, it's, it's weird to even say it. And it's stranger to even believe it. Um, but in many ways, the divorce is becoming the best thing that ever happened in my life. It is a transformational moment. What's crazy about this whole thing is how desperate I was to connect with my daughter, how much loss I felt in that moment. And yet now, uh, this is now four years, uh, post it all happening four and a half years now post the whole thing starting. I have a bigger role in my daughter's life today than I ever would have had if I stayed married. My role as a father has become amplified. Uh, the role of my family has become amplified. I, I, look at, I look at this as while I would have never initiated divorce, I look at this as a, I look at my ex-wife's strategy and now look at it as so foolish that this was such a poor idea of how to deal with a problem. However, that would have kept us married. And now four years after the fact, I would say, I have a better relationship with my daughter. My daughter has a better relationship with her grandparents and my extended family because of this. My daughter does things with me now. I, we, we go biking. We, we have a whole life together that, um, that she doesn't have with her mom. So without putting any judgment, whether it's bad or good, there are things that are important to me that I really get to share with my daughter very independently without anybody saying, oh, don't do that or make sure you're safe or, you know, making things, you know, uh, ca cautioning against things. And I have one great example of this. I got to go with my daughter to, to, um, to a, a Caribbean area where there was snorkeling. And I had been teaching my daughter how to snorkel in the pool. Mm -hmm. So at, my ex-wife would have never been okay with teaching my daughter how to snorkel in the pool. Like that would have just been like already over the line. Um, my daughter had floaties on, she had fins on, a snorkel and a mask. Like she was not, she, she was could safe. not swim. That's right. She could not <laughs> swim by herself or right, just right. Put, put that out there. She could not <laughs> swim by herself. But I'm a very strong swimmer. And we got to go to a Caribbean area where there was a, you know, a reef. Um, and it's all controlled. There were people watching this thing. And... Um, and I just realized the, the first time we went there, I was like, if my ex-wife had been with me right now, she would have put the kibosh on this. There's no way she would have let our daughter go into the ocean. And, you know, it's, it's the real ocean. It's not like the fake ocean. It's like the real ocean with a pair of, um, uh, with a, uh, she had a, a life jacket on, an inflatable life jacket, but with the mask and the fins and the whole thing. And... And I got to do that with my daughter. And it wasn't just that I did it once. It was that I did it once. And then my daughter was like, let's do it again. Mm 
So it was magical for her. It was magic. That's right. And I was like, this would have never happened if I were married. And so there are many stories like that now, and they're, they're increasing in terms of their, uh, their frequency. So the, the idea, it's, like I said, it's, it's hard to say now because it just it messes with my head um, that, that this is now becoming a strong positive. And, you know, the way you described it starting, not only not expecting it, but then like finding yourself out of your house and back with your folks and not seeing your daughter. I think that one of the things um, that is so typical is, is when we're in the middle, we, um, it's almost easy to believe that this is the rest of our lives. Like you react as if this isn't temporary, as if, this is the end of the chapter. And yet here you are um, having gone through the end of that chapter. And, and as it unfolded, it changed and it changed in a really beautiful way for you in some ways. Yeah. Uh, And Lisa was really instrumental in that. Uh, She was really instrumental in constantly questioning my mindset. Mm. You know, so when you say, oh, my, my life is over. I could hear just Lisa saying, but is it really? Is it really over? Right. Is the story over now? Like this this is it? We don't do anything further from here? You don't get to see your daughter ever again? And then as things happened, um, she would say, so how did that challenge, how did that challenge change you? What do you see now? And how would you answer that for our um, audience when you, it's perfect. It's like yeah. now uh, with, with 2020 hindsight being on the other side, what would you say are some of the areas where you experienced unexpected growth? Oh, wow. Uh, we, we probably don't have enough time, but um <laughs> You know, there was so much self-reflection. Uh, there's so there's just so much critical thinking that goes on. So, I'll, you know, the the idea of how important fatherhood is, and and I want to emphasize that by promoting fatherhood, I, I don't want to diminish motherhood in any way. Right, right. It's a, it's a statement in and of itself. Right, um, and and I think both both parents um, are critical to to a child's development. One of the best things that I ever heard. I, I don't think this was from Lisa, but it's of course all wrapped up as one at this point. Uh, is that a child child's relationship with his parents is not primary and secondary. There's just one primary relationship to two parents. And when I describe this to people, I say, it's like putting on a pair of headphones. You have a left channel and you have a right channel, but your brain processes that as one sound. Mm. So you're, you're not hearing two different sounds and two different, you're, you're basically processing it as one sound. And I, through this process, through the divorce process, I got to realize how important my role was. So I would say before the divorce, I used to joke about it. I think I had started joking about it at, at, at one point before the divorce happened, that I was really a supporting role. 
I really felt like there was a lead actor, which was my wife. Right. And I was the supporter. I was the, the person who would do the driving and, you know, yes, I'm supportive of whatever you decide to do. And right. okay, you feel it's safe for our daughter. So that's what we're doing. Okay. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of people fall into that position. Yeah. And going into the divorce made me realize I'm not in that role anymore. I'm, I'm a primary character in this story. Uh, there are two leading people in this role for our daughter. And I now have to live up to that leading role. Beautiful. And, and some people shy away from that. I, I can understand that that would feel like a daunting task. And so not only are you dealing with divorce, but now you have to shift your role to become a better parent. And for me, it was, uh, I was ready to do the research and engage in that way. There were, there were also things, if I can add to this, uh, from a rela relationship point of view, a communication point of view, that um, I was able to look back and go, you know, I didn't do that really well in my marriage. Uh, there, were, there were times where I can validate uh, my ex-wife's experience. Uh, while I don't agree with how she solved it, um, I, can, I can empathetically attempt to understand what she went through, which was very different from what I went through. And so it has helped me not only reflect, but do research on how to communicate better. Right. Which is going to serve you with your daughter and with every human being you interact with. And that's right. a big part of it, right? Is how do we communicate? You know, do we, we always hear our interpretation of what the other person says, not what the other person says. And there's so much that you can learn, especially in the midst of conflict about, um, about your own behavior and what works and what doesn't work so well. Right. Now, Lisa was engaged in, in many conversations with me um, about books that I was reading and research that I was doing. So what I loved about Lisa is that information didn't just flow one way. So this is, this is a key factor of any great educator, which is it's, you don't have just an educator and a passive student. Uh, you're engaged with the student as well. So I being the student in this case, uh, I was able to come to Lisa and say, hey, listen, Lisa, you know, I'm, I'm listening to The Body Meets the Score by uh, Bessel van der Klok, which is a book about how trauma is processed in the body. <clears throat> and of course, we've learned that trauma can be passed generationally. Yes. So not only do we process trauma, but we, we can pass trauma to our offspring. Right. And so the implications of that with my daughter were very significant for me. How am I processing my trauma now that I have trauma? How do I deal with that? And how do I, um, how do I not project that into my daughter's world? And how do I show her that I've overcome and dealt with it? Or not dealt with it, if that's the case. Be authentic to that. The other book that I thought was great that I mentioned uh, to Lisa was Never Split, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. She's, she's mentioned that one to me. That's on my list. Uh, I found that to be such a helpful book for me on communicating. And it wasn't just communicating with my ex-wife because my what was interesting was my ex-wife was very reluctant to engage. So it's very difficult to negotiate or 
show somebody you've changed or have better communication with somebody who definitely does not want to communicate with you. But and I would did, imagine there's also a lot of stories that you can create around the why behind that, that, right. that wouldn't serve you. Right. Yeah. And so what I did was take all the tools that I was learning and use them with my daughter. Ah, I love so that. It was well, it was great. So right. I was taking these tools that I was using to be uh, a more, a better father, uh, a better person, a better communicator, and just using those with my daughter. So instead of telling my daughter what to do, which would be some some form of command, yep. even if you put the word please in front of it, you know, if you say, please clean your room, yep. it's still a command. And of course, I have power as her father. So there's you know, she's going to do what I'd say, or then we have to get into like the discussion of punishment and penalty. Right. So if we're using the um, never split the difference model, a more tactful model, I could say something like, it seems like your room is, is really messy. It seems like you've been really active today playing. And then you say, how, how could the room, how could we clean the room? And I leave it on her. It's a question. And then what I would find is uh, my daughter would engage with uh, some sort of frustrated sound or an indication of frustration. And I would say, it seems like you're frustrated. And I would say, if you're feeling frustrated, you might ask for help. And she would say, dad, could you help me clean my room? Wow. And I would and say- what a beautiful way to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll help you clean your room. Right, right. And then you negotiate that with, well, why don't you clean part of it and you tell me what's hard for you and I'll help with the stuff that's hard for you so that she does some of it or most of it. And I just come in for the heavy lifting, so to speak. And, and what an amazing um, lesson for your daughter, because I mean, I always tell, tell my clients like, that command gives children no choice, right? And when right. we when we offer choice, we begin to strengthen their reasoning and their their confidence and them feeling empowered and and that's that's beautiful. Right. Yeah. So what my divorce has done is built me up to be a better person to develop better trust with my daughter and have a relationship like I said before, that I don't know if I would have. So I've joked about this with people before. I've, I've said things like, oh, you're, you're going to be so thankful that you ended up breaking up with this person. I said, you'll send that person a Hallmark card. And, you know, while this was all going on in the, and it was so painful, it was really hard to ever think that I'd be thankful for this situation. Yeah. Um, but people like Lisa have helped guide me slowly. I mean, <laughs> I would love to, be, to have been in the place where I am now four years ago and be like, just almost laugh it off. But it's taken me four years to get to the place where I'm like, you know what? Maybe one day I'm going to buy a Hallmark card and be like, thanks. Thanks for giving me the ax. Thanks for being a jerk. You know, it wasn't the the way I would have done it, but that's the way you did it. And that's because that's who you are. And I'm moved on and, and I f I'm better for it. And thank you so much for the lessons that I learned through the pain. 
Yeah, and that's that's in, in a nutshell, that is it. Like every trial and tribulation, we're we're all gonna have them. We're gonna have more post-divorce. Divorce is just one of the biggest and most overwhelming. And when you grow through your divorce and you walk away with such a robust toolbox yeah. of and, and I love how you started the conversation with our emotional energy. Um yeah. And, and the work that we do around that, that's just like you take that. And then one of the things that I think is so beautiful is that when we pay it forward to our children and, and then they're so much wiser and, and more mindful at so much of a younger age, it's like that allows for the breaking of a lot of generational change right. as well. What's what's interesting about these uh, seven levels of energy that you guys did in that uh, in that podcast on June first of twenty sixteen is that I had said before that when everything went everything started with the divorce I was you know somewhere between a level one and a level three you know bouncing around between those levels um, you know and I looked at this in preparation for this conversation today and I'm like wow I'm living at like a, like a five. You know, level five was reconciliation and not reconciliation with the ex. It's, it was the ability to see the silver lining. Yes. It was the ability to have a deal, a level of acceptance, yes. to look for the opportunities. Yes. How can one learn from the, op- from the situation and grow from the situation yeah. and create a purposeful, like, purposeful life. Yes. And then, and then I get to touch, which is really wonderful. I get to touch level six, mm. which is creativity and vision. And that really does, that's really in, in my personal life, which is building my business and kind of going with the flow. And especially in this time, you know, not looking at these situations as the end of times, but looking at these situations as opportunities and ways to be creative. Um, and, and, um, and then being able to take that creativity idea and put that on my daughter. And say, how can we have a creative time? Yeah. How can we make this day awesome? How can we go on another adventure today? How can we create a memory that might take two to four hours to do, but you'll remember for a lifetime, as will I. Yeah. And so looking at that same ruler, I'm now like, oh, wow, it's rather nice to be at level five and level six. It's beautiful. Your daughter is very, very lucky to have you as a dad. And I am very lucky. I'm very lucky to have her as a daughter. <laughs> and I, I can hear that. Ways. Yeah, absolutely. So this is this has been just wonderful. Um, as we begin to wrap up, uh, yeah. any um, any words of encouragement or. Um, or advice or wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah. Um, well, one, for anybody who's going through divorce, um, divorce sucks. I mean, anybody who's been there knows that. Yeah. Um, I personally, ex- my experience with it is that it was one of the most uncreative solutions to a problem. And yes, it is one of the solutions. I understand that there are circumstances where it is the only solution. Um, but I find it rather uncreative. I think there's a lot of resources in the world, including Journey Beyond Divorce, that um, can deal with 
better solution sets, more creative solutions than just working your way through the judicial system. At the end of the day, that's what, what this is all about. Um, in terms of journey beyond divorce, I think it was so instrumental in my recovery. Uh, I now consider all the people that I've worked with part of a team. So it's, you know, a, a large group of people. Um, but Journey Beyond Divorce was a centerpiece for so many of those, of that group, of that team. So there were, so Journey Beyond Divorce was like the center and things were spoking off of that. Um, so it was, really critical to the development and week to week progression. And for, in my case, I was speaking to Lisa, you know, every week and then it, it faded out to every two weeks. And then as things got better, it was a little, there were larger gaps, uh, but it was so critical and such a, a center point to the whole thing. And um, I'm forever thankful for it. I'm just forever thankful that there's an organization and people that are uh, able to to address these type of painful moments for people. Um, I told Lisa the other day, I said, you know, I said, you know, my daughter's gonna know your name. I said, I was like, cause you pulled me out of it. Like you made me a better person and a better father. Like, how do you, how do you not let your kid know about that experience? Yeah. It's just huge. Um, and um, it's hard to kind of feel like a sense of completion. You know, as we're talking about this, a voice of celebration, I think we're all works in progress. We always, we always think we're at the end, but we're not. I believe it's when we're six feet under or, yeah. you know, up until then there's something to learn and ways of growing. Right. Yeah. And um, this has been a wonderful uh, journey of growth yeah. for me. And I think, I think so highly of Journey Beyond Divorce that I wish my ex-spouse could, could reap the benefits of what you provide. I don't think it would solve our, you know, our marriage. I don't think it would solve the problems necessarily between us. What I do think it would solve is our own personal interactions as humans. And so we go to a bigger place of who do we want to be? And divorce to me is that catabolic level one and two. It's just anger and victim and sadness. And if you're there, for the listeners out there, if you're in level one and level two and anger and victimhood and sadness, there's a better place. There is a path forward. And there are people who can help you climb the ladder and get to a higher level. And it always seems like it's going to take too long. And as I keep, as I tell my daughter, just keep swimming. You know, like <laughs> finding Dory and finding you, just keep swimming. Put one foot in front of the other, have your weekly meeting, discuss what's at hand today, talk about the pain and find out how to turn those pains into challenges and then turn those challenges into something that you can overcome. And then you look back on it and you go, Oh my God, I did all that. That's it. And, 
And that's where I'm kind of looking at it now, which is that wacky point. It almost hurts my brain to think about it, to think that my divorce is something that I am becoming thankful for. And I would say I'm in a transitionary place. It has, it has recently just begun to feel like that. So I would say I'm still almost, as I've expressed, I still almost feel uncomfortable saying it. Um, so thank you. Thank you and Lisa. You're very welcome. And thank you. Thank you for coming on Diego and sharing um, your journey and your story and your growth, because I, I know that that's what our newer listeners really need is to tr truly trust that um, the pain can become future possibility and, and personal growth. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Karen. And uh, for you listeners, stay tuned. We will be back again in two weeks with another Voices of Celebration and next week with another episode. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.